order we're going to do them in. Psalm 20. So uh, if you have your Bible, you can open it up there. All the words will be right in front of you, and you'll have no excuse. Amen? Here we go. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now I know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. They are brought stand upright. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. How many of you remembered that from this morning? How many of you didn't have a clue what we were doing right there? Okay, that's good. Go to Isaiah chapter 43. As long as we're here, go to Isaiah chapter 43. And now, this one, you don't have to do the verses out of order. Everything's right in order. Start halfway through verse 1, where you see the words, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Go from halfway through verse 1 all the way through verse 2 and through the first phrase in verse number 3, where it says, For I am the Lord thy God. Okay? Start halfway through verse 1, go through the first phrase in verse number 3, and think of yourself as an Israeli on the hillside, okay? Fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God. There you go. Isaiah 43, 1, 2, and 3. If you didn't know it, now you do. And when we get to the end, is he messing around over there in the when we get down to the end, now we're going to express our enthusiasm at the end. We're going to go, for I am the Lord thy God. And then we're going to go, hey, like that. Okay? Here we go. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God. Wow. That was, that was one of the worst I have ever heard right there. I have done this in villages in Mexico where they don't speak English and they get the hay right. Amen? For I am the Lord thy God. Hey! Okay, here we go. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. 
And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God. Hey! Oh, that was good. All right, preacher. That's, we got them going now. Sure. One day I ran my boat aground My ship of life was going down Then Jesus came in my distress Don't call me lucky, call me blessed Don't call me lucky, call me blessed This life of mine's no chance success I know Jesus is my happiness. Don't call me lucky, call me blessed. I've ears to hear and eyes to see. I've got a precious family. A place to lay my head and rest. Don't call me lucky, call me blessed. Don't call me lucky, call me life of mine's no chance success. I know Jesus is my happiness. Don't call me lucky, call me blessed. Blessed are the meek and lowly while on this earth they trod. Blessed are the poor in spirit for we know that they'll see God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Don't call them lucky, call them blessed. Don't call me lucky, call me blessed. This life of mine's no chance success. I know Jesus is my happiness. Don't call me lucky, call me blessed. I know Jesus is my happiness. Don't call me lucky, call me blessed. Amen. Amen. We're going to see Brother Wine here. Brother Wine. He came over on the ark. Good to see Brother Brother Wine. I've known him for a long time. Amen. Sing up there.
got singing from, did Mary sing it? Yeah. Who's, who's singing? Sammy? Yeah. We'll have a, have, we'll have Miss Marilyn singing and Mark and, and Liz sing one and then, then we'll have Sammy sing for us. Okay. The sun rose that morning on the day of Job's trial. He rose up to 
serve God as any other
It's my first time. Twas a life filled with aimless desperation. Without hope, walked the shell. Of a man, but then a hand with a nail print stretched downward. Just one touch, and a new life began. And behold, rugged cross. The difference in a life bound for heartache and defeat. I will praise him forever and ever for the cross made the difference. Echoed harshness and anger. Little feet ran in terror to hide. But now those walls ring with love, warmth, and laughter. Since the There was a room filled with sad, ashen faces, and without hope, death has wrapped them in gloom. But at the sight of a Savior, there's rejoicing. For his life can be sealed in a tomb, and the old rugged cross makes the difference in a life bound for heartache and defeat. So.
you have a chance to sing, stretch out a little bit, and uh, we're going to sing Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story. take your hands do this right here do this right here stick them right here and hit your elbow now I know it's going to be Monday tomorrow but it's still Sunday okay amen that looks much better when you're smiling I heard about his healing amen sing with me I heard about his healing God was cleansing revealing how he made the lame walk again and cause a blind to see and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit now Jesus came and brought to me the victory all victory in Jesus my Savior verse we're going to sing I, 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 these theologians and these deep thinkers keep saying you know the, this word this word means this mansion means room I don't think so I think about my mansion really I do think about my mansion 
I, I'm gonna have a putting green. I'm gonna have a jacuzzi. I'm gonna have a man cave. You laugh. But let those, let those theologians think they're just gonna have a room. God bless them. And if they want a room, I believe God might give them one, Brother Ed. But I heard about a mansion. Amen? Sing it with me. I heard about a mansion. He is built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. state with us tonight brother brother ed and mary and their folks and it's great to have you folks thank you for coming we need to pray for them they they uh are in an office building and if they're they really have a nice place i mean it's really a good place and they've been there for how many years nine years, nine years and and they're building they're gonna they're gonna kick them out and they gotta build so they gotta find a place and i want you to put that on your personal prayer list amen and uh, God has a place for him. God has something great for him. I know that. But uh, let's get around. Wake, let's, we're going to shake hands a little bit and welcome each other to the service. Take some time and fellowship.
I'm gonna put on my walking shoes someday up Someday with Jesus I will be Hand in hand we'll stroll down that glory avenue Gonna put on my walking shoes The Bible says that heaven waits for those who trust in Jesus There's no better place for anyone to be Jesus died to save all sinners, gave his life for you and me. All you have to do is trust him and believe. I'm gonna put on my walking shoes someday up yonder. Someday with Jesus I will be. Hand in hand we'll stroll down that glory avenue. I'm gonna put on my walking shoes. In heaven there is no more pain, no tears, and no more sorrow. There's no more night, and no one will grow old. You will never see a cripple, and you won't find a blind man. For the former things are forever passed away. I'm gonna put on my walking shoes someday. Someday with Jesus I will be. Hand in hand we'll stroll down that glory avenue Gonna put on my walking shoes Can you imagine there will be no germs No fevers and no cancer No drunkards and no thieves to rob our homes A place where there's no funerals no darkness, only light. Oh, someday I'll meet my precious Lord up there. And then I'll put on my walking shoes someday up yonder. Someday with Jesus I will be. Hand in hand we'll stroll down that glory avenue. I'm gonna put on my walking shoes. Heaven has those gates of pearl and its streets are sparkling gold. Its foundation is inlaid with precious stone. There's a mansion up there just for me. Jesus said it, John 14. You can have one too if you will just believe. I'm gonna put on my walking shoes someday up yonder. Someday with Jesus I will be hand in hand stroll down that glory avenue I'm gonna put on my walking shoes oh yes someday in glory land I'm gonna put on my walking shoes
advanced years I have discovered that I like old songs and and not only do I like old songs but I like heaven songs so when I find an old heaven song then I've got a real treasure amen and so this is a brand new song from 1922 I trust this will this will be a blessing to you I've heard of a land of joy and peace and wonderful light. A beautiful place of mansions fair and skies ever bright. Where all who believe the Savior dear forever shall stay. And having been saved by grace divine, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way, I'm going that way, and Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day, is with me each day, I'm clinging to Him, and never to stray, singing His praises all day long, I'm going that way, I'm going that way. I know I shall meet him at the gate when trials are past, when trials are past. I know I shall meet him face to face in glory at last, in glory at last. I believe that when we meet, well done he will say, well done he will say. trusting his soul redeeming love, I'm going that way, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way, I'm going that way, and Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day, is with me each day, I'm clinging to Him, I'm clinging to Him, I'm never to stray, yes, singing His praises all day long, I'm going that way, I'm going that way, I'm going that way, I'm going that way, I'm going Savior, I adore, is with me each day, is with me each day. I'm clinging to Him, I'm never to stray. Yes, singing His praises all day long, 
I'm going that way, I'm going that way. Singing his praises all day long. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. Amen. I hope you're going that way, amen. start she started I remember well a life of disappointment she just had to tell her words were cold and bitter she grew angry fast I could tell she needed Jesus to get her past her past. How can I get beyond it? I listened as she cried. I've moved away to start again. I failed at all I've tried. You see, I blamed this man I knew For the way I have to live How can I get beyond it all? I said, you must forgive Then you can get past your past You can walk away from painful memories Past your past You don't have to be alone You can stand upon the Word of God Your yesterday's all gone Let Jesus bring you past your past and then you can go on. So if you are held captive by the deeds of yesterday, regardless of how far you've run, you don't think you can get away. Run on a little farther. The Father's mercy throne. There you'll find a brand new start. His heart will be your home. You can get past your past. You can walk away from painful memories. Past your past. And then you can go on. 
let Jesus bring you past your past, and then you can go on. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you don't have to be a victim of your past circumstances and those things back there behind you. Amen? What a wonderful Savior. The Bible says that His blood cleanses from all sin, not just some sins or some people's sins, but all sin, and I'm glad for that. Take your Bible tonight, if you would, and open it up to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Mark, chapter 5. There they go. Have fun. Don't worry, they're going to a better place. We have cookies in here, though. I bet you they'll come back, amen? <laughs> no, we don't have cookies in here. It's always a little disconcerting when you get up to preach and people get up and walk out like that. But, you know, you get used to it after a while, amen? Mark chapter 5, if you found that and you're able to stand easily, would you stand with me as we read the Word of God? Look, if you would, at verse number 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. Look, if you would, at verse 38. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here tonight. Uh, Lord, we've had a good time together singing and rejoicing together in your goodness, your love, your mercy. Tonight, as we look into your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to have open hearts and minds. We'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, I preached to you out of the first half of the book of Mark, chapter 5. And, and from all appearances, it looks like Jesus came all the way across the Sea of Galilee just to reach one man, just one guy that was interested in hearing from him, that maniac who was full of devils, and, and Jesus cast out the devils, and the people said, we want you out of here, go away. And he got back in the boat and went back where he came from. Now remember, in Mark chapter 4, he had already been on the other side preaching and teaching. There were huge multitudes. And then when he headed off toward the other side of the Sea of Galilee, that crowd dispersed. They went home. And now, all of a sudden, the boat is coming back. Nobody expected the boat to turn right around and come back the next day. 
The disciples didn't expect that. Nobody on the seashore expected that. They expected Jesus would be gone for a while. And that night the boat sailed away. But now here it is the next day. And somebody said, the boat is coming back. And so now the crowd is gathering again. And by the time Jesus and the disciples get there, there's already a huge multitude of people standing there on the, on the seashore waiting to hear Jesus. And so Jesus and the disciples get out of the boat and then something strange begins to happen. Now this is a, a large group, a multitude of people, and they're all there for the same thing. They want to get close to Jesus, they want to hear him, they want to touch him, they want to be healed. There's all manner of stuff and a whole bunch of them want to see a miracle. They really do. That's what they're there for. They want to see a miracle. And then the crowd begins to part in the back. Now, if you've ever been in a, at some big rally or some big concert or some kind of thing where everybody's trying to get down to the front, the crowd does not just part and let you walk through because you want to go to the front. They don't do that. I mean, you get pushed off to the side and, and you have to, you have to really be sturdy just to stay in your place and not get pushed away. And now the crowd is parting and they're letting somebody through because this man, He's important. He has some, some impact on their lives. He's somebody they know. He's somebody they respect. The Bible tells us he's a ruler of the synagogue. And he's coming. He's making his way to Jesus. Now, we have the idea quite often that all of the rulers, all of the leaders hated Jesus. That's not really true. There were, there were many of them who actually believed that Jesus was who he said he was. They were just afraid to be seen following him. That's all. You remember Nicodemus in John chapter 3? He came to Jesus. He was a, a ruler of the, uh, of the Jews and a Pharisee. And he came. Do you remember what time of day he showed up? At night. At night. So nobody would see him come in the dark. He wanted to talk to Jesus, but he didn't want to see anybody there. He wanted to, he wanted to do it all, in the, all under the cover of darkness. Here's, here's Jairus. In John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43, it tells us, Many of the chief rulers believed but loved the praise of men. In other words, they knew who Jesus was, they believed him, but they did not want to be seen following him because they knew it would hurt their reputation, it would hurt their standing in their, in their government and in their society. Jairus is one of those guys. But on this day, he's decided that it's worth it for everybody to see him follow Jesus because this is the worst day of his life. His 12-year-old daughter, when he left the house, she'd been sick. We don't know how long she's been sick, but when he left the house, she was dying. And he gets to Jesus, the crowd parts, and lets him come down to Jesus. And he falls down at the feet of Jesus and says, I need some help. My daughter is at the house. She was dying when I left. And I know that if you will just come and put your hands on her, she'll be healed and she'll get up off the bed and all will be well. Now, again, I hope we get to watch the replay of this. Because at this point, it doesn't tell us what Jesus said or what happened. The next thing that happens is they're headed for the house. Jesus must have said to him, I'll come to the house. Wow. He must have said that because now they're up and they're walking that direction. And listen, half of the crowd is there because they want to see a miracle. Jesus just agreed to do a miracle. And now word is spread. Jesus is going to heal this man's daughter. Uh, she's going to get up off the bed. And now the crowd is parting for Jesus and Jairus to walk back this way. And it's filling in behind them because they all want to go. They want to see it. They want to be there. They want to be part of what's about to happen. And they get all the way up through there. You'll notice that we stopped reading in verse number 24. 
Now all the people are following him. They're going to the house of Jairus. But look at verse 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So here they are. They're hidden back through the crowd. They're going to Jairus' house. He has, would you agree with me, he has the promise of God that his daughter is going to be healed. Jesus is going to the house. He's agreed to do what Jairus has asked. They're, they're moving. The crowd is filling in behind them. But there's another woman in this crowd. And she, she's at the end of her rope. She's got nowhere to go. She's been sick for 12 years. She has an issue of blood. According to the Old Testament law, she's not supposed to be in this crowd. If you have an open sore or you're bleeding, anything like that, you're just like a leper and you're supposed to stand off to the side, put your hand over your mouth and say, unclean, unclean. She's not supposed to be in the crowd. And if somebody sees her in the crowd, they can take her out and stone her to death and everything's okay. It's not a problem. They can take her right out, stone her to death. She is risking her life and everything she has to be in this crowd on this day. But for 12 years... She has had this sickness. She's gone to every physician she can, and she's got no remedy for her problem. Have you ever gone to the doctor, and all you got out of it was a bill? Anybody who's gone to the doctor has had that happen. You show up and tell them what's wrong, and they charge you and say, sorry, I don't know what it is, and away you go. She's done that for 12 years, and all of her money is gone. She has nothing left. She can't even go to a, a snake oil salesman. There's, there's nowhere else to go, and so she's going to die either way. If she doesn't make it to Jesus, she'll die. If they catch her in the crowd and take her out and stone her to death, she'll die. She's going to die either way, and so she's going to risk everything. She's all the way at the back of the crowd. But when Jesus and Jairus start walking this way, the crowd parts to let them go. And all of a sudden, he's coming right at her. What was the back of the crowd becomes the front of the crowd. And now Jesus is coming. I mean, he's coming. He's coming right toward her. And he's getting closer and closer. And as he gets real close, she reaches through a bunch of people and just swipes the edge of his garment. And in that instant, she is made completely whole. She is healed. Not, not Benny Hinn healed. Real healed. She's healed. Amen. This is real all the way through. She is just like brand new. And she knows it. And she's the most excited person in the crowd. And then, and then Jesus says... Who touched me? And she's not saying nothing. You see, she just, she just stole healing. That's what she did. She, she didn't ask for it. It wasn't offered. She just took it. That's all. And so when Jesus said, who touched me? She, nothing. Not a word out of her. And then the Bible says that he turned to look at her. She didn't answer. So he turned. He looked her right in the eyeball. And all of a sudden, she knew that he knew and she's busted. And so she runs down and she falls in front of him and she confesses that it was her. Look, if you would, down here in verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a great story? But while all that's going on and she's getting healed and...
and, and Jesus is looking at her and talking to her. You know who's standing there? Jairus. When he left the house, his daughter was dying. And he got a promise from God that his daughter's going to be healed. And they start moving toward the house. They're making progress. They're going in the right direction. And then Jesus stops moving. Not only does he stop moving, he turns around and he's talking to other people. And the clock is ticking. Listen, this is an urgent need. She wasn't just sick. She was dying when he left the house. And he's standing there. And Jesus is not moving now. There's no progress being made. The answer is not coming. The promise is not being fulfilled. That's what I want to preach to you about tonight. What do you do between the promise and the fulfillment? Or between the prayer and the answer? What are you doing between there? And I submit to you that what we ought to do is exactly what he did. Exactly what he did. Listen, the first thing you need to keep in mind when you're in between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise is this. Don't put your own limitations on God's promises. In other words, don't tell God how he has to fulfill the promise. Don't tell him how he has to answer the prayer. We're guilty of that many times. We pray for something and as we're praying, we're already telling God how he should answer the prayer. This is how I want it done, and this is how it'll turn out, and this is the best way, as if we knew what the best way was. And we put our own limitations on it, and then when the things that we thought should happen don't happen, we get mad at God. And we get discouraged, and we get frustrated. Can you imagine Jairus standing there as Jesus has stopped moving, the crowd is filling in, Jesus is talking to some woman, he's talking to the disciples. It only takes a minute to read those verses, but this took some time. And that, that's going on, and he's standing there, and time is ticking by. He's probably frustrated. He might be angry. You would be. Don't act so spiritual. You'd be angry. I mean, he's supposed to be going to the house, and now he's turning around talking to somebody else, and, and she's dying, and at the very least, I promise you, he's afraid. He's scared. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. What if we don't get there in time? Here's a, here's a great eternal truth for you. You can write this down. You can make bumper stickers out of this. You can tweet it if you don't have a life. Are you ready? God is God and you're not. Did you get that one? God is God and you're not. That means he knows the best way to fulfill the promise. And he knows the best way to answer the prayer. And you don't. You just trust him. He'll do it right. When he does it, he'll do it right. But you just trust him. He doesn't have to work in the way or the time that seems best to us. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows all of it. He knows all of the, all of the tentacles that are involved in fulfilling the promise and answering the prayer. You let God answer the way he needs to answer. Don't put your own limitations on God's promise. Number two, don't allow a shift in circumstances to make you doubt the power of God. Look at verse number 35. Jesus is talking to the woman in verse 34, tells her to go and behold of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? Would you agree with me? That's a pretty severe shift in circumstances right there. She was, she was sick, she was dying when he left the house. Now she's not just dying, she's dead. It's one thing to believe that Jesus can heal your sick daughter. But it's another thing to think that he's going to raise her from the dead. Right. 
Those are very different things. Sick people got healed all the time, but Jesus didn't raise dead people every day. It's just not something that happened all the time. There are several instances, but they didn't happen every day. The healings happened all the time. And Jairus believed that Jesus could heal her, but he may not even have thought it was a possibility that he could raise her from the dead. So the circumstances have just shifted. But you know what's very interesting in the very next verse? Jesus doesn't seem to be concerned about the fact that the little girl died. It doesn't faze him at all that she went from dying to dead. As a matter of fact, look at what he says there in verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. He said, Don't worry, we're still going to the house. It's all right, don't be afraid. You just believe me. I said I'm coming to the house. I'm going to take care of your daughter. I'm coming to the house. I'm going to take care of your daughter. Doesn't matter if she's dead. Doesn't matter if she's sick. Doesn't matter if she's dying. No matter what, I'm coming to the house. I'm going to take care of the little girl. Sometimes because we have in our mind how God has to answer the prayer. When the circumstances shift, we think now it's gone too far and God can't fix this. The truth is there's nothing that's gone so far God can't fix it if we'll allow him to do it. You see, this is a shift in circumstances, but it didn't change what was about to happen. Jesus was not phased by the shift in circumstances for Jairus, and he is not phased by the shift in circumstances in your life. When you've prayed for something and prayed for something, and then there's a change, and you think now it's just impossible, now it can't happen. The Bible tells us more than once, nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is impossible for our God. So they head for the house, and there they meet these people. Look at verse 38. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Here's the third thing. Don't be swayed by the doubts of others. Don't be swayed by the doubts of others. Jesus, Jesus came and there's all the people at the house and he said, what's all the ado? What, what's all the fuss? She's not just, she's not dead, she's just asleep. And they said, no, she's dead. And they mocked him and they, and they laughed at him. But you know, this is not the only time Jesus has said that a dead person is just asleep. Do you remember John chapter 11, where Mary and Martha called for Jesus? And they said, Lazarus is sick. Would you come heal him? And Jesus didn't come. He waited. He waited until after Lazarus died. And then he said to the disciples, he said, our friend Lazarus is asleep and we're going to go to Bethany and I'm going to wake him up. Isn't that a strange thing to say? And the disciples said, well, he's been sick. If he's sleeping, let's not wake him up. Let's just let him sleep and he'll be better off. And the Bible, Jesus had to tell him, he's dead. You missed it. He's dead. And so they went, and sure enough, he was dead. He'd been in the tomb four days, and Martha said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother had not died, and she was exactly right. If Jesus had come when they called, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus would have healed him. And that's when Jesus looked at Martha and said, Martha, do you believe in the resurrection? 
And she said, yeah, I believe there will be a resurrection one day. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he looked her right in the eyes and said, believest thou this? Do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? And then he went to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus got up and came out of the tomb. And remember, Jesus had said he's asleep. Now, why would Jesus say he was asleep? He knew he was dead. Same reason he said this girl's asleep when he knew she was dead. You see, he is the resurrection and the life. He's not just the one who will do the resurrection someday. He is the re- It's not an event. It's a person. And it's Jesus. He's, he's the resurrection. He is the life. Everything that has life is because of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is. That's where life came from. He's the source of life. He's the sustainer of life. And when, when life is standing in the room, you don't get to be dead. Amen. All you get to be is asleep. Because as soon as he says, get up, you're going to get up. Doesn't matter if you're dead or not, you're going to get up. Amen? Amen. So you just get to be asleep, not dead. And the truth is, for the child of God, there really is no death. It's just leaving this life and stepping into the presence of God for all eternity. There's no death and separation from God. And all. No, no, you just go from here to there and boom, you're in the presence of God forever. A child of God never has to experience death, just gets to leave this physical body one day. And that's not such a bad thing. Amen. You get to drop this one off and get a brand new one that's like Jesus. That'll be a wonderful day. Don't be swayed by the doubts of others. It says they laughed him to scorn and they mocked him. There's always going to be somebody to tell you that God can't do what you're trusting him to do. There will be. There will be somebody. When I, when I first went into evangelism in 1996... My pastor and I had talked about it, and we'd prayed about it, and uh, we knew what God was doing, and, and we agreed that I was going into evangelism. And he said, why don't you call some preacher friends and, and tell them what God's doing in your life and just get their counselors and a multitude of counselors. There's, there's safety. And so I called several pastors that I knew, and I called some missionaries that I knew. I called some evangelists that I knew, said, hey, here's what God's doing, and I'm going to go into evangelism. And they were very positive. They were, except for one guy. One guy, he was a missionary, and evidently had had trouble raising support to get to the mission field. Because he said, he said, Brother Mark, don't do it. I said, why not? He said, well, because we love you. Please don't do it. I said, well, why shouldn't I do it? He said, well, because we love you. And if, and if you go into evangelism, he said, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. He said, you're, you're going to be sitting around twiddling your thumbs with nowhere to go. And when you finally get somewhere and they let you preach, they're not going to take care of you. He said, you will starve to death. That's what he said. That was over 27 years ago. A lot of things have happened. I'm still waiting for some time to sit around and twiddle my thumbs. I would enjoy that. And, and starvation has never been an issue. <laughs> There have been other problems, not starvation, though, I'm telling you that. But if I had listened to that one guy, I'd have missed out on all that God was going to do in my life over the last 27 years. Listen, I I was still single at that time, and I I was in evangelism when I met my wife. There she was at her father's church there in Pasco, Washington, and I came in and saw her there, and I swooped her up and rescued her from Pasco, Washington. (laughs) 
Amen. And God gave us two wonderful children who love the Lord, want to serve him. Thank God for that. Listen, I, I wouldn't trade any of that for anything in the world. Really. But if I'd have listened to that one guy. And listen, he wasn't being malicious. He didn't want me to get hurt. He was being kind. Sometimes even people who want the best for you will keep you from doing what God wants you to do just so you don't get hurt. Listen, don't, don't let people who are going to mock and scoff and tell you God can't do it and he can't take care of you, don't let them keep you from following God. You just keep believing him. And here's the last thing, number four. Stay close to Jesus. Amen. Stay close to Jesus. Through this whole episode, you know where Jairus is? He's right next to Jesus. From the moment he comes through the crowd and lands down there at Jesus' feet, then they get up and they're walking to the house. When the woman reaches out and touches Jesus' clothes and he stops, you know where Jairus is? Right there. He doesn't move. He doesn't go onto the house. He stays right there. So how do you know that? Because in verse number 36, Jesus doesn't have to say, uh, where, where's Jairus? I need to tell him. All he has to do is turn to him and say, be not afraid, only believe. Because he's standing right there. Even when Jesus is not moving, Jairus is not going to walk away from him. Because he's the only hope that he has. I mean, if Jesus doesn't come to the house, nothing ever is going to change. And so he is not, he is not going to risk walking away from Jesus. He's going to stand right there and make sure that Jesus gets to the house. When they get to the house, you know where Jairus is? Right next to Jesus. In your Bible, it says Jesus chased everybody out of the house. All those that mocked and laughed, he sent them all out of the house. He said, for Peter, James, and John, and Jairus and Mrs. Jairus. And then they walk into the bedroom where the little girl is. You know who goes in with Jesus? Peter, James, and John, and Jairus and Mrs. Jairus. And when he takes her by the hand and says, arise, and she comes up off the bed, you know who's standing there watching? Jairus and Mrs. Jairus. And then Jesus says, get her some food. She needs some food. This is a good Baptist family. Go get her some food. He's not talking to Peter, James, and John. This is not their house. They can't go get food for her. You know who he's talking to? Jairus and Mrs. Jairus. Jairus never left his side one time from the beginning to the end. Amen. When you're in between the promise and the fulfillment, that's not the time to get frustrated and walk away from Jesus and say, well, you know, God doesn't care about me and he doesn't love me and he's not interested in me and you drop out of church and you quit reading your Bible. No, 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 that's the wrong time for that. Amen. There's never a right time for that. Listen, when you're in between the promise and the fulfillment and you're just waiting and it doesn't seem like God's doing anything and there's no answer, that's when you stay close to Jesus. Because like I told the folks yesterday afternoon, the only thing you can be sure of if you don't stay close to Jesus is that you're not going to see what he's about to do. You're going to miss out on it. We were, we were in Newport, Tennessee back in September. Last, uh, I think it was the last Sunday in September. Sunday night, there was a, a man, adult Sunday school teacher, the guy that taught the adult Sunday school class. He, he and his wife were sitting right back there, and there were five guys sitting next to them. It was obvious that they all came together. They were a little rough looking, all that. So I figured, you know, they were from some kind of, some kind of program or something. And sure enough, after the service, you got to meet them. Uh, wonderful young man, excited about being in church. And they were in a halfway house program. And they would let them come to church and be in the services. And one of the young men was the son of the adult Sunday school teacher. 
And he came to us that night after the service, and he said, there have been times throughout my son's life, he, he's been into everything, he's destroyed his life. He said, there were, there were years where I had to think about him as being dead because I couldn't bear to think of where he was and what he was doing alive. He said, I just had to think of him as dead. That was the only way I had any peace at all. And he went to prison, and he got saved in prison. And it was time for him to get out. They were going to let him out on good behavior. And he said, I don't want out. He said, I, I, if I get out now and I go back there, it's going to get ugly. I, I don't want to be part of that again. And they said, well, you can do this halfway house thing. So they put him in the halfway house. And there he was, Sunday night, sitting in church for the first time in years and years and years, next to his father, who'd been praying and praying and praying and praying for his son. You know what he was seeing? He was seeing the fulfillment, is what he was seeing. You know what would have been really awful? If that boy and those young men had come that night, and that family had dropped out of church, and his mom and dad were not there anymore. I've seen that kind of thing happen. Where somebody shows up and the person that's invited them for years, prayed for them for years, is now gone and they're not there anymore. Listen, you want to be there when the, when the promise gets fulfilled and when the prayer gets answered. You want to see the answer. And the only way you're going to get to see the answer is if you stay close to Jesus in between there where it's really frustrating and sometimes it takes a lot of time. There are some prayers that don't get answered for years even decades. I've known people that were hanging on to promises from the Word of God and they've got some child that's off in sin or, or a parent that's off messing up their life or whatever it is and they pray and they fast and they beg God and the years go by and the years go by and the years go by. You stay close to Jesus because you want to be there on the day when they come through the door and they sit down next to you. You want to be there for that. You don't want to miss that. You want to be able to show everybody what God did and how faithful he is. I'd like to tell you that every promise gets fulfilled within just a couple of days. But it's not true. It's not. You remember God promised that he was going to send the Messiah. Not only did he not come right away, he didn't come in the way they expected. They didn't expect it at all. They didn't expect to find him in a manger somewhere on the wrong side of town. And yet that's where he was. Did God fulfill the promise? Yep. But nobody was prepared for that, were they? God may answer your prayer and fulfill the promise in a way you never imagined could even happen. But he always, always fulfills his promises. And he always answers prayer. So what do you do in between there? Well, don't be afraid. Only believe. And you just stay close so that you get to see the resurrection at the end. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here tonight. Lord, thank you for this passage of Scripture where this man just stands right there and he doesn't leave because he knows that his only hope is Jesus. If he walks away from Jesus, there is no hope. And God, that's still true for us today. Our answers are found in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. And sometimes we get frustrated and sometimes we get tired. God, help us not to put our own limitations on your promises. Help us not to get discouraged 
by the doubts of others. And Lord, help us to stay close to you so that we can see what you're going to do in our lives. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's remain standing with heads bowed and eyes closed. Do you know Christ as Savior? If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as personal Savior, I'm not talking about church membership or baptism or turning over a new leaf. It's where you started a relationship with Jesus Christ according to the Bible because you believed and called on his name. Believed the gospel that he died, he was buried, he rose again the third day. And you called on him for salvation and he saved you. If you never had that happen in your life, tonight is the night for that. And then as Christians, you'd have to be in a coma not for God to have spoken to your heart tonight because it's very convicting because we are impatient we're anxious we try to tell God what to do and God's got it we have to remind ourselves we fight the flesh but he does answer prayer and I want to encourage you if God has spoken to your heart maybe you're away from God Maybe God's been working on your heart for something that has nothing to do with the message. But you know that God has brought you to this place and this time tonight, and you need to get alone with him. We're going to open the altar for the invitation. You come as God directs. be seated uh brother brother ed come on up here brother come on over here and uh Tim, come on up here sister faye wants us to lay hands on her and pray for her tonight sister faye what do you what do you want us to pray for
here is a giver. She cooks up a storm. Actually, not a storm, a hurricane. <laughs> and and she, she's cooked. And I was thinking the other day, the amount of food she cooks, she never asked for money. I think they might be rich. But no, she never asked for money. And she cooks. Then every other Christmas they go to Guyana, South America, every year, and and go into the orphanage for Christmas. have requests, but we're going to sing anyway. Yeah, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know that one?
Because when God saves us, He's got us. I have lost everything under the sun but my salvation. The chimes of time ring out the news, another day is through. Someone slipped and fell, was that someone you? Pardon you. 
the uh, we're going to receive love offering for the for the um, Rogers, and so folks, we need to give. We're not near where we need to be, and uh, let's be a blessing to them. <clears throat> they got rid of their tra travel trailer. You know. And they pulled in here in one, that Cadillac out there. I thought I didn't know who was in here because Cadillacs around here, man. They, a lot of people drive Cadillacs around here, so I didn't know who was in the who was in the parking lot. But uh, it said Kentucky, so I was good. He he taught, he was single when he first started out. I remember when he was single. I went to hear him preach. He was mean as a snake. He 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 preached on everything. And then he got married, and 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 he's he's kind of softened up a little bit. I don't know if you call it compromise or or, or or what it is, but so I heard I heard he got married, and then I saw a picture, and I said, we've got we've got to have we've got to have them. We didn't. I'm on, I'm confessing. I didn't have you all to meet you see you again. I I wanted to see this, and. Uh, Liz, Liz is a blessing. Um, you do not know what it is when a doctor calls and says your wife has cancer. It is, but they, God bless them. I remember, we remember Pam. When that happened with Pam, and it was a difficult time, and so now they're two people lighter. They haven't gone to Disney World yet. They're still on the. They're still. I don't know if we're going now, is it right? But uh, they're still on the road, and uh, Brother Mark is my friend. He's a preacher's friend. If, if I came and had stuff, things for them to do and, and wanted them to help me with something, they'd do it. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Mark served in a church for years in the, as an assistant before he got on the road, which he understands church. And, and Liz is a preacher's daughter, and Dad's still gone. And... Um, he does not have to call to get meetings. As a matter of fact, if he has a week week off, he tries to keep it quiet sometimes so he can just relax. But he's never changed. His messages are always biblical, straight. And he puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. And uh, I, I, we love these folks. Uh, we'll, they'll be back with us next year, and uh, we we schedule them as many times as, as many years in advance as we can because you just have to do that, and uh, they're famous, and uh, and you ought to have some chocolate chip cookies or something, you know, famous cookies, you know, Rogers, Mr. Rogers cookies. No, don't 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 put Mr. Rogers on there. Amen. But we're going to receive an offering. Can you all sing for for while we do something? Um, how about how about how about the one about the frogs? Can you handle that? Y'all ever heard one more night with the frogs? Yes. You, 
folks from Free State haven't heard this. This is a good one. So let's give me some ushers and let's uh, let's uh, let's have a good love offering tonight, and let's dig deep and uh, be faithful in your giving, and um, let's let's be a blessing to thee. They've been a blessing to us. Amen. Amen. Tim, pray for us. Lord, we just thank you uh, for the Rogers, Lord, and what a blessing they are to us. Pray that you uh, bless them tomorrow, Lord, as they head home, and as uh, Sister Liz heads for. Uh, Washington State, Lord, pray that you give her travel mercies and use her out, out there at the women's conference she's going to and be with Brother Rogers as he heads back to Kentucky. Give him travel mercy. Now we thank you for him. Pray to bless this gift, Lord, may it be blessed to them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over in the books of Moses, the strangest things I've found about this man called Pharaoh. He had plagues all over town. Well, he was very hard, and he disobeyed the things that God had said. So the Lord sent fleas, flies, and frogs, and turned the waters to a bloody red. Moses said to Pharaoh, won't you let my people go? Pharaoh said to Moses, now you know this can be so. Won't you come back in the morning? We'll take a journey with you one and all. But tonight I just can't give them up. I want one more night with the frogs. One more night with the stinking frogs. One more night in sin. Had a terrible time with them last night. And I just gotta do it again. Well, it will always be a puzzle to me. I reckon it's all because we can have sleep, rest in peace, but tell us one more night with a frog. Now today there's a lot of people like the ones in Egypt land who go staggering, slipping and sliding, doing all they can to stand, just to hold Sin that don't amount to a thing at all. They're gonna give it up tomorrow. They want one more night with the frogs. One more night with the stinking frogs. One more night in sin. I had a terrible time with them last night, and I just gotta do it again. Well, it will always be a puzzle to me, and I reckon it's all because he could have sleep, rest in peace, but chose one more night with the frogs. But chose one more night with the frogs. Ribbit, ribbit. That's what you ought to do at the end of the thing. <laughs> amen, amen. Hey, listen, the folks at Free State are, are praying for a place to meet, and um, and and uh, I, I want us to. I, I want the folks of Free State come right. I want you all to come up in the middle of the aisle. We're going to get around the circle and. And folks at Faith Independent, we're going to circle them. We're going to pray for them a building. Amen? So come on out. Come on up right here in the middle, right about midway up. And let's get, let's get, everybody get up. Come on now. You've got to get up and help me right there. And we're going to get a circle around here, baby. Yeah, we're
we're not like we're not like other churches. We're not jealous of other churches. We love churches. I love Edwin Beards. Edwin is a uh, Edwin uh, and Mary went to school when I first started teaching, and, and I was an idiot. And, and he played basketball for me and made me look good. And, uh, but he's, when he came to Independent Baptist, uh, Independent Baptist Bible College, and, and came and, and, and got involved with that, my heart leaped because uh, I love to see young men surrender. And, and he's not looked back. He's not looked back. And uh, Emily and, and uh, Bubba here, Lydia and Sammy. I, I, I forget everybody's name. Lydia and Sammy. Sammy, you got a little girl next to you. Who's that? Jessica. You all know each other? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering. Okay. Amen. Amen. Now, listen, listen. I, I, this family has stayed serving God. Um, and and they've, had, they've had some shocks. They've had some things uh, that, 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 that didn't exactly go their way, and, and, but they stay true and love the Lord and, and love to see souls saved. So we're going to pray for them a building, amen? And so, Chris, you start off, Brother Arnold, then you pray, and then Tim pray, and then Brother Brother Walter and Brother Darian pray, and then I'll pray. Let's pray for them a building, amen? Go ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you again for the opportunity we have to gather this evening. Lord, right now I pray for these folks through State Baptist Church. Lord, we do thank you for allowing them to come and worship with us tonight. But Lord, right now we're praying for them that you would provide and open all the doors needed for them to have a building for them to be able to worship, grow, and the church themselves. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for them. We thank you that you've provided. I pray that you would bless them, give them what they need allowing them to be able to reach their community for you. We praise you and thank you for all that you've done. For all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Lord, we come to you this evening, Lord, with these fellow believers and friends that will provide their needs, provide their building and media and face to spread your word within the community, Lord. Just uh, give them strength, give them courage, Lord, and uh, help them, Lord, to just not lose sight of